All right, boys, welcome back. We're here with another episode. You got your Power Rankings podcast. Join with me as usual. It's Aaron. What's up, everybody? And we have three extra co-hosts with us today. Go ahead and introduce yourselves first. We'll start with Joey. How you doing? I'm doing pretty well. I'm happy to be here. Thanks for having me. Next, we got Nick. How you doing, Nick? I am doing well. And finally, Trent, how are you today, sir? I'm good, sir. Thanks for having me. Excited to talk some football and pretty close to the season here. So let's get it started. Amen. Yes, yes. We are all excited to do this. This is a pod that we've been uh, getting figured out here for about a week. It's taken a, a good bit of time to get all the power rankings sorted out. So we're ready to bring you guys that good, good content. So Aaron, why don't you go ahead and uh, explain what we're going to be doing here today and uh, give us your commission note for the uh, for the pod. Yeah, sure thanks. So I'll just go ahead and get the, the commissioner note out of the way. Uh, that's just going to be a reminder about the roster cuts. Uh, we are dropping again from 55 currently to 48 max. You guys have until uh, 4 p.m. on uh, the Tuesday before the first kickoff, which I believe is September 8th. So you have until then to cut your roster, you know, send players to IR and do what you got to do. If you don't make your cuts by that time, uh, I will use my own discretion to determine you know, the X least valuable players on your team. I would love to cut Chris Godwin from the high tide if I could, but unfortunately, I don't think that's in the uh, the best interest of the league. All right, so for this episode today, we're going to do it a little different than we did last year with the Power Rankings pod. Uh, today, we've still, we've each ranked the teams from 1st to 12th, uh, grading each team's starting lineup and bench uh, position by position. However, instead of all of us talking about each team today and going through a three-hour podcast, one person is going to be arguing for that team, you know, outlining the, the positives that that team has going for them going into this year, while the other uh, person is going to be arguing the negatives on that squad. And then after that, if any of the other three of us have any third-party comments we'd like to throw in there afterwards, we're totally going to do so. All right, and we're just going to jump right into this with our number 12 team which is the Atlanta Sharks, and this will be pitting Nick and Cole against one another. So, Nick, why don't you uh, lead us off? All right, to begin with, uh, I think the strongest part of Jabir's team coming into this year on offense would have to be his tight end group. Evan Ingram can be a massive difference maker, provided he actually makes it through the season. If he can't, Higby's looking like a pretty good start on the Rams, provided they keep using that two tight end personnel with Irv Smith getting mixed in far more in the Vikings offense. His coach and his kicker give him a significant advantage at the positions with the newest Super Bowl champion Andy Reid uh, headlining the coaches or coaching section and his kicker Justin Tucker being automatic. Uh, on defense, his strength would have to be his linebacking group. Shaq Thompson, Evans, and Quan are a good starting three with that deflex position being manned by Quan, probably. All right, so I'm going to be arguing against it. And uh, for Jabir's team, I have him graded out as the lowest in the league point-wise at quarterback. And that's going to be pretty obvious here because you only have one starter, and that starter is a rookie. So there's going to be some growing pains there with Joe Burrow at some point. Running back is also incredibly weak, especially after Melvin Gordon ended up signing with the Broncos. Philip Lindsay got bumped down to a backup. I mean, we don't know how that split's going to end up unfolding here throughout the year, but 
Philip Lindsay's looking like he's going to be a lot less valuable this year. I do like Zach Moss and J.K. Dobbins, obviously, but uh, you also took a bit of a hit there with Damian Williams deciding to opt out for the season. And then wide receiver is just pretty much A.J. Brown and Tyler Lockett. You're going to get some production from Preston Williams, I'm sure, at some point. And Larry Fitzgerald's on his last limb, but the other few wideouts are just kind of meh. And then uh, at cornerback, not cornerback, defensive back, that was the one that I highlighted here as being a weakness for Jabir because you have a few free safeties and some corners. So I'm not really liking the long-term IDP potential in the defensive back group. And like you said, his linebackers are a little bit stronger this year. Getting Quan Alexander in a trade was a good move here. And getting Chase Young as his, one of his first-round picks was a good pick for IDP to pair with Demarcus Lawrence. But it's it's just a little bit of upside missing from a lot of these position groups. And he just needs to figure out the running back position and get a backup quarterback at some point here in the next few weeks when Joe Burrow goes on by. Tyrod Taylor or someone like that might be a good option to trade for, but it's just, it's kind of a, a bit of a weaker roster here, but come next year, if JK Dobbins ends up balling out and we see Zach Moss take over that job for Buffalo, Jabir could be looking like he's going to be on the up and up going forward. So you're just hoping for some ascension this year and that could definitely happen going forward. Yeah. Depth's definitely going to be an issue this year, but if some of those sleepers like Zach Moss, J.K. Dobbins start turning on or start turning it up by the end of the year, I can see this being a dangerous squad. Every passing day we see Zach Moss, it seems like his ADP is going to keep going and going upward because there was an article today that came out on Roto World that was saying that Devin Singletary's fumbling at camp. He's having fumble issues. So Zach Moss is already getting some hype from people in the industry, and now it just seems like his stock's going up and up and up and up. So he could have a bit of a breakout season. Who knows here? I know you guys mentioned uh, Zach Moss as one of his potential positives, uh, Cole did at least. And I wanted to talk about how there's another running back on this roster where I felt like his stock and value kept going up and up and up. And Jabir just missed the opportunity, I think, to move. And that was Alexander Madison. I think especially during the tension between Cook and the Vikings was when it was at a peak, I think Madison would have been a, tr- a tremendous trade value, especially to uh, Devin with Dalvin Cook. And I feel like this is a roster that could have got a very nice wide receiver depth piece in return, which is exactly what he needs. So I think just moving forward, Jabir is going to have to look to capitalize on market values to turn some of this um, weaker depth into some more solid depths, whether that be at running back, wide receiver, or even at quarterback, like you mentioned, getting another starting quarterback. Yeah, I think um, the theme that this team is powered by rookies um, is, you know, kind of his story right now. Uh, One rookie that we didn't mention was Chase Claypool at wide receiver. I think that's maybe another spot where he could see some production. Um, The Steelers obviously had faith in him taking him in the second round. So with Juju, who we've seen struggle in Johnson and Pittsburgh, you know, maybe uh, slot play there and the ability to have a couple of touchdowns this year with a healthy Big Ben back. Great point. Yeah, I don't really have much else to add on the Sharks. I just think this is a team that has pieces in place, but is still a, a year away from really being able to contend. Just needs to kind of round out his depth going into next year. All you really need is J.K. Dobbins to hit next year and have Zach Moss carve out a role. And all of a sudden, you've got a, a bit of a different outcome for this team in the standings going forward. But um, if I had to project long term, I'd probably end up uh, 
giving Jabir a top three pick again this year. So go get another wide receiver or something. Just keep building up and you're looking good going forward. So coming in at number 11, we have the Omaha Hawks. Arguing for the Hawks is going to be Aaron, and arguing against the Hawks is going to be Joey. So go for it. All right. So the Omaha Hawks, in my opinion, are the most unorthodox uh, built team in the entire league. He has cemented his cornerstone pieces in you know the top quarterback in Patrick Mahomes, who isn't dropping down from that spot anytime soon, and George Kittle at tight end, who isn't dropping from that number one spot anytime soon. He has those bookends in peace. They're in place. And you know, even at the backup position at tight end, he's got TJ Hawkinson, who could definitely become a tight end one this year. Even though Ryan isn't likely to move him, that could be a great trade piece in the future. And then on the defensive side, you know, he's really attacked that, you know, side of the ball, especially in this draft last year. I think almost all but one of his picks, or potentially all of his picks, were on the uh, the defensive side of the ball. Yeah, he took Gronk, so that was the the lone offensive talent. But his linebackers, he's got Tremaine Edmonds, Zadarius Smith, Kyle Van Noy, Bud Dupree, Thomas Davis, Khalil Mack, uh, and then he drafted Patrick Queen this year. So he's loaded at the linebacker position. He's solid at D-line, and he's pretty solid at defensive back. So there's definitely, you know, it's not the most, you know, conventional way to, you know, play Dynasty, you know, based on what we've seen in this league so far, but it's definitely a lineup that I think could surprise a lot of people this year. Yeah, jumping right into it to against, uh, I want to go right at the depth of his IDPs because nobody's going to be able to argue that point. But to the same degree, I feel like building depth at IDP is going to be worse when compared to building depth for offensive players, specifically based on the low amount of IDP players you can actually play. You're looking at playing four max at, on the defensive line, three max a linebacker, four max in the secondary. Whereas with running backs, you got the four max, and especially at wide receivers, you have the five max. And looking specifically at those two positions, to be quite honest, I don't see a potential top 20 to 25 finish outside of maybe Matt Brieta if he does push out Jordan Howard and Calvin Ridley. And when you only have two guys at those positions that could break the top 20, 25. I just don't see how this team's going to have enough firepower, specifically those flex available positions to carve out enough wins to even make the playoffs. And that's so hard to say because he has such high end talent with Patrick Mahomes, with George Kittle, with Hawkinson, and even Gronk's going to provide some nice value this year. And then you have Harrison Bucker at kicker and John Harbaugh at coach. Like, I feel like like you said, this roster is just so unorthodox. And personally, I'm just worried that he has this really nice value invested in the wrong positions. And it's just not going to come to fruition in terms of when, ever winning a championship. I definitely could see this roster squeaking into the playoffs based on we saw him jump out to a nice 5-0 start last year. Maybe he has a nice run at the end of the year. But I just, nowhere on this roster do I see enough talent or even potential to really make any type of push. And especially since he's been trading his draft capital draft capital in back-to-back years, I don't see how he could ever look to rebuild. And so this roster is already set up to go all in, and I just don't see it being able to do so. So what do you guys think about Raheem Mostert then for the year? Do we think that he's going to be a top 
24 back or what do you think? Because, I mean, it depends. His outcomes are really skewed based off of how Raheem Mostert does. And I don't know. I mean, I could see a top 24 finish, but at the same time, they always do uh, back by committee. And it's just like if he doesn't hit, I mean, James White could be a low end two, high end three, but just running backs just going to drag the team down. I just, I don't know. Right, I agree. And even if you do get in that top 24, 25 range, it's really not that significant, especially at the running back position. Like we've heard for years now, regardless of whether it's redraft or dynasty, that all the resources are preaching that you need to get that high-end RB talent because that's where the positional difference comes into play. As for wide receivers, there's so many a good um, low-end wide receiver ones, high-end wide receiver twos that are going to be able to put up similar numbers that it's not going to matter about getting them early. Whereas with running backs, you need that talent because that's where the uh, standard deviations are going to come into play and there's going to be a lot of value near the top. And so I just, regardless whether he has those top 24 finishers, I just, it's not going to make a difference. Yeah, trading away Sutton definitely hurts for James White. Probably could have gotten a decent chunk more than that, but you got to get your guys sometimes, so... All right, so moving on from the Hawks in 11th place, we're going to jump right to the Wendigos in 10th place. And in this argument, we're going to have Cole arguing for the Wendigos and Aaron going against. So Cole, take it away. So Nick made that big trade a few days ago where he got rid of James Conner, shipped him out, got Adam Thielen in with uh, Trent. They made that deal. Now, on the surface, this hurts Trent's running backs really badly. But he does still have Jonathan Taylor, who, in my opinion, was the one-on-one of this class. And I think he's going to end up being one of those guys that long-term is going to be a top-five asset in Dynasty for probably the next at least five years or so. I think he's got high-end talent, and he's going to be a beast in the league. you got a really good starting quarterback at Russell Wilson. you got pretty good depth behind with uh, Mitch Trubisky. I mean, he's not great, but he's someone you can spot start. And then Jimmy Garoppolo, obviously, is going to be good. Wide receiver, though, that's where I think this team kind of separates. You've got DJ Chark, AJ Green, Marvin Jones, Christian Kirk, Jalen Rager, Debo Samuel, and Adam Thielen. So he's seven deep at potential wide receiver twos. And I am really, really, really high on Jalen Rager. And I think he could potentially be, and here's your hot take, a top 12 wideout in his rookie year. So I think he could be a wide receiver one rookie year. A tight end. Johnny Smith is looking like he could be a breakout. Hunter Henry is going to be pretty decent. And then you look at all the other positions here. I mean, I think Young Hoku is a really good kicker for fantasy. Maybe not in real time, but in fantasy, he's on that Atlanta offense. They're going to get a lot of opportunities to score. And he's pretty good at all of the defensive positions. I really liked the Willie Gay pick in the rookie draft. I think he could end up being a complete stud for the Chiefs. And so that is a middle linebacker is going to be solid for, for some fantasy points there. And then you got Jordan Hicks was... Definitely a solid production here without hearing his name much in the community. I think his team is pretty solid, and I have him rated higher than everyone else. So I like the wide receivers. That's my main thing. To play right off of that, I have Nick the lowest out of anybody. He came in 11th place in my rankings, and a large part of that is because I do not like his receivers. And uh, I think I think the big thing here is just that me and Nick, I think, like different types of receivers. Um, Debo Samuel was a player that I did not like at all coming out of college, and 
Nick loved. Jalen Rager was a guy who I did not like out of college, and Nick drafted him. Uh, DJ Chark, do you think? I mean, he got a great value on him in the startup last year, but I believe I saw that it was close to forty percent of his points came in four of his games, and that's just not the kind of receiver that I like to start in fantasy. Um, AJ Green, I despise for twenty twenty. <laughs> um, there's definitely some receivers I like on the team, but there's just a lot. Like, there's a lot of bodies there but just a lot of them that I do not personally like. And then just looking at my, my own personal rankings, when it goes position by position, um, I mean, Nick finishes sixth in quarterbacks, sixth in tight ends, sixth in linebackers, and then he comes in pretty close to the top in a lot of the backup categories. But in the, the main categories for me, which were receiver and running back, he finished uh, bottom four in both of those for me. And that just weighed a lot in my formula. And there's, you know, with running back, trading away James Conner, again, definitely hurts. And, you know, now, I mean, Jonathan Taylor will be great, but is Sony Michelle going to step up? Is Jordan Howard going to hold off Matt Breida? Uh, how is Tampa Bay's running back situation going to work out? There's just a lot of questions with Nick's running back team. And just as a whole, I just think that this separation and ranking is just due to uh, me and Nick having different values on players or different things that we look for. But I mean, in terms of, you know, like trade value and stuff like that, uh, Nick has a really bountiful roster. It's just not one that I think is going to win a lot of games this year. Yeah, Nick's team is definitely one that if he kind of wants to go for a fire sale midseason, if he thinks he's not going to make the playoffs, this is the team that all the contenders are going to try and pluck players from. Like you got players like Marvin Jones and Adam Thielen on there. And then maybe even someone like Sony Michelle, if he's playing decent later in the year may not have the best dynasty outlook long-term, but he could end up being somebody that might be a decent uh, low-end flex play for someone on a starting roster for a playoff run. But it's the running back group that brings him down for me in the rankings. Uh, I had him ranked... Yeah, I had him ranked at 6 out of 12 in the league, and he would have been a little bit higher if he had James Conner. He'd probably be 5th for me. I had him ranked as the 10th best running back group, but I had him ranked as the 4th best wide receiver group tied with a few other teams. So I like a few of the positions on the team, but running back gets an upgrade, and whoever you pair with Jonathan Taylor long-term, it's just looking good in my opinion. All right, and quick before we go into the roundtable for the Wendigos, I want to bring our first ad sponsor here. We have Michelob Ultra, the superior light beer with only 95 calories. Grab and go, boys. We're not getting paid for this, bro. Okay, it was worth the try. But anyway, looking right at the Wendigos, <laughs> I I do want to give credit because I feel like a majority, if not all, of the trades and moves he's made this offseason have been very beneficial for this roster. I know, Cole, you mentioned, I believe it was you, about a potential fire sale late in the year for contenders. And I believe Nick has set this roster up for that. Um I feel like that's going to play really into his hand. Of course, he has a younger core, especially now that he's looking to build off of Jonathan Taylor. If you can look to move somebody like Marvin Jones or Adam Thielen to a contender at the end of the year, I feel like this team has enough young talent at wide receiver, specifically in DJ Chark, uh, Christian Kirk, Jalen Rager, Debo Samuel, regardless of how Aaron feels. Not to mention, I think he has a really nice tight end core as well that we didn't mention. I think that Nick could easily position himself next year based on some moves to be in a much better position heading into the 2021 season. 
The only thing that could potentially prevent a fire sale for Nick would be that a lot of the potential playoff teams don't have picks early. <laughs> Joey has half the first round, as we don't all know. Don't you be pointing fingers. I only have five out of 12. That is not half. So your Paladins don't have a one. The Grovers don't have a one. The Magicians don't have a one. The Hawks don't have a one. And the Spiders don't have a one. So you've got a few playoff teams in there that don't have one. Some of the teams don't have twos. Like the High Tide don't have a two. Magicians, Grovers... Don't have twos either. So it's just it's gonna be interesting for Nick if he does elect to sell off a bunch of his players. And you're gonna have kind of a crossroads potentially with this team, but at uh, the middle of the year, end of the year, but we'll have to see what he does. It's definitely looking intriguing. Yeah, I'm definitely looking more or less towards the future with this roster. I'm hoping maybe if some players hit, like Jarek McKinnon, for example. It's getting pretty good reviews out there. Maybe, just maybe, I can pull out a nice playoff spot and luck my way further along. But yeah, I didn't think it happened in the playoffs. It's just the uh, the matter of getting there. All right, moving along into ninth place, we have the Chesapeake Retrievers. Arguing for this team is going to be Nick, and arguing against will be Trent. All right, so at the quarterback position, we have Gardner Minshew, complete wild card. Uh, maybe he's a high-end quarterback one this year. Who knows? But uh, Or he could be completely off the roster next year. Um, but I think the main guy will probably be Big Ben, provided his arm is still holding up after that elbow surgery. Could provide the team with a QB1 performance. The strength of the team is probably the running back core. Anytime you have Christian McCaffrey, it's an automatic strength. Akers is looking better and better every day with Henderson being out and Malcolm Brown being, I don't know, average. Wide receivers, not the greatest group. Hilton, his skill set doesn't exactly match up with Phillip Rivers. And Will Fuller has not yet put together a full season. I think the offense on this team is going to carry it most of the way. Uh, having Danelle Hunter on defense gives the defensive line a good edge, but beyond that, it's could use a little more depth. Uh, overall, I have this team ranked as my seventh team in the league. I see them squeaking into the playoffs. Or do we have only six? I can't remember. Yeah, it's six for playoffs. Six playoff team. Yeah, I can see them squeaking into the playoffs, but not a sustained result. But the future is definitely looking bright with this roster. Yeah, so I just want to say uh, kudos to Hunter before I start bashing him because obviously we know the situation with his team. Um, he definitely not dealt the best cards. Uh, I think, you know, piggybacking off of what Nick said, the running back position uh, will probably be the one that carries him, although it's not that deep. He does have McCaffrey, which is obviously um, a potential number one running back this year. Uh, David Johnson, who can put up points this year, being the number one in Houston for what we know is now. And with the Rams running back situation, um, I don't really think it matters what happens because he has Brown, uh, Henderson, and Akers. So either way, that situation, he should be uh, getting the guy who's getting the touches in L.A., so I think that's definitely the workhorse. Um, he did a good job, I think, getting rid of Chubb. 
uh, to boost his draft picks, and he did a good job in the draft. But with all that said, um, his wide receiver core is still very scary, um, T.Y. Hilton being probably his number one alongside the rookies. So I think wide receiver is going to be where he's not getting as many points as the rest of the league, and as well as his defense not being the greatest. Uh, I had him overall as the second lowest defense. Um, he does have Kendricks and Smith, at linebacker, who I think can put up some points. Um, but secondary, um, with a lot of corners on the team, I think we learned the first year that obviously the safeties are the ones that kind of get the points with all the tackles. So all in all, I don't think he's ready to contend this year. Maybe next year if he can make a couple more moves. But as of right now, I definitely see him probably still in the bottom of this league. Yeah, I'm just going to go ahead and immediately uh, echo your thoughts at the beginning there. Um, given that this team last year was abandoned by uh, the first owner uh, about five weeks into the year and was left for dead, and then the second owner that was brought in to replace him uh, you know, sold off some pieces and some questionable trades and, you know, he wasn't left with much. I think Hunter's done a really good job at kind of you know making the best with uh, what he's got. But, but yeah, just I think this is another team that could make some noise if uh if his wide receivers you know kind of hit. I think that's where you know this roster is you know hinging on. I could definitely see this team in the playoffs in that central where I think uh, everything's up in the air. But more than likely, I think this is a team that just needs some retooling on the defensive side and look for a, a push next year. Though he does have the benefit of having, um, I believe it's like $493 in fab. So he's uh, he's got all the uh, the chips for the uh, the waivers this season. I would say, honestly, I think of all of the teams that are in the bottom half of this Power Rankings episode, I think he's got one of the better chances of making the playoffs because even though the wide receivers, we said, aren't necessarily the best right now, you could. there's a few of these guys that could absolutely just pop off this year, like Will Fuller. Uh, Deontay Johnson and Anthony Miller are getting a lot of hype. And if they end up hitting, you have Travis Kelsey at tight end. And then, like we said, we have Akers, McCaffrey, and David Johnson. Like, I think he could make some noise, surprisingly make some noise, then as long as you get decent quarterback play from Minshew, Teddy Bridgewater, and Brandon Roethlisberger, some type of uh, mix of those three, then you, you got a potential playoff team here, I think, in my opinion. Yeah, before I jump into it and provide my feedback, I don't want to sound like a jerk. So take this criticism for granted. I want to push you to do better. But at the same time, I feel like all of you guys are mentioning that he has the ceiling of pushing into the playoffs. But based on the hand that he's been dealt, I feel like he's already pushed his roster into a very nice position to rebuild. And because he has that upper talent with Travis Kelsey and Christian McCaffrey specifically, I feel like getting into the just getting into the playoffs and then being knocked out by one of the upper teams in these power rankings is going to be very counterproductive for what he's already started this roster out in terms of direction-wise. And so I feel like 100% I agree with your sentiments that he's done a great job specifically in the rookie draft, and I just don't want him to think that this is where he should stop as another team who's looking to rebuild. This roster is in a great position to move those assets, and I think this could be a really beautiful rebuild if he continues going in the direction he's going. And I just don't want him to stop here and be doomed for mediocrity for years to come because I think despite the hand that he's been dealt, he's really done a good job of turning it around, and I don't want him to stop. That draft ended up being a thing of beauty, though. 
for real though. Like getting a hundred percent well done. Getting Henry Ruggs where Ruggs he did. falling, yeah. Getting yeah. Acres where he did. And then Acres too, yeah. I mean, I think it was just it's he's done a really phenomenal job given the pieces, like we said multiple times. The only one that hurts is before he took the team over. Travis Kelsey in that deal for the one oh one kind of sucks. But I mean He's still got a lot of potential high-end talent here, so I think he's well on his way to being a playoff team. All right, so coming in at number eight, next we have the Boston Clams. So arguing for, we're going to have Aaron, and arguing against, we're going to have Trent. So why don't you go ahead and start us off, Aaron? Sure thing. So Boston Clams, I am evidently significantly higher on than everyone else in the league. For context, I have the Clams in fourth, and no one else has him higher than eighth. When I look at the Clams, it just has a ton of star-studded talent. I mean, just I love the receiver position group, and he has DJ Moore, Corlin Sutton, Juju Smith-Schuster, who are all in terms of uh, ADP. They're you know top five to twenty at worst receivers. Uh, I believe Corlin Sutton's in that sixteen to eighteen range, so he's already loaded at the top end of the receiver position group, and then he's got. Darius Slayton, Mike Williams, LaVisca Chenault, Curtis Samuel, Neil Perry. Like he's got so many pieces at receiver that he is very loaded at that position group for years to come. Um, obviously, Joey's been doing a ton of wheeling and dealing this offseason, and he set himself up for the future. But I almost think that his roster is in a spot right now, you know, especially looking at, you know, quarterback is set with Kyler and Josh Allen. And his linebacking core is really good, uh, unexpectedly, with TJ Watt and Devin Bush and Harold Landry and you know his secondary group with Minka and uh, Marcus Williams and Tyron Matthew leading that group. I feel like it's almost in too good of a spot already. And I kind of would expect that, Joe, given his roster, I feel like Joey wants to miss the playoffs, but I almost don't know if it's going to happen just because, in my opinion... He already has a ton of the pieces in place, and so I just feel like he's going to stumble into the uh, the fifth or sixth seed. Yeah, I mean, Joey's team, commend Joey. He's uh, definitely in a great position at quarterback with Murray and Allen. With that said, I think the obvious is running back. Um, you know, Swift was a great pick in the rookie draft. Um, Carry on is also there in Detroit. So I think although those are two good running backs, um, we don't necessarily know what their workload's going to be. So are we going to see a two-headed monster type deal? Or will one of those guys win out the job and kind of be the workhorse for that running back core? Um, after that, you have Montgomery, who's kind of in the same situation. I mean, I think he's definitely established established himself as the one. But with him, that recent injury, um, who knows what could linger. And then you have, you know, Cohen there, who's also a integral part of their offense. So I think... If there's some clarity at running back, this team could definitely flourish into the playoffs. Once again, I don't know if that's what Joey wants to do. Uh, I agree with wide receivers. It is a, a, a solid core, but at the same time, the top half guys are guys who kind of scare me. Um, you know, Juju Smith-Schuster in Pittsburgh, we've seen him kind of the best of both worlds. Uh, Samuel and Moore, both in Carolina. You know, what is that going to look like with Bridgewater at quarterback and who's going to be getting the ball? And then we just kind of have some question marks with Nikhil Harry in New England. Obviously, he was hurt last year, which is kind of why I think he fell in my in my roster or in my rankings. I'm sorry, just a lot of what ifs 
in the running back and the wide receiver position department, which is obviously kind of the building blocks of fantasy football. And defense is, you know, pretty solid, especially secondary with Fitzpatrick, Matthew. Um, so, like I said, kudos to Joey. I think he knows what he's doing. And um, I just think they're not quite a playoff team yet, which is why I had them at 10 in my, in my personal rankings. I'm sorry, 9 in my personal rankings. We're going to start the roundtable off here. I'm just going to start echoing the same sentiments that you guys had. He's trying to miss the playoffs, but there's just a little bit too much higher-end talent at some of these positions. So we could potentially see this as another candidate to do a fire sale at the mid to end point of the year. So keep an eye out for that one. But I like some of the talent here. You just, and we've talked about this before we, for this roster to flourish, if he's trying to go for the playoffs, we need Kareem hunt to get traded to some team that's going to use him as a workhorse. And we all know that Kareem hunt has that high end running back talent. So he just needs that to happen. The, uh, the carry on Johnson trade still kind of hurts to look at here, but you ended up getting DeAndre Swift at the end. So as long as he can break the running back curse in Detroit, then it's looking good for the long term with this roster. He is the best backup quarterback in the league. Also, Josh Allen's the best backup QB we can possibly find here out of everybody. I think I would consider Kyler the backup, wouldn't you? I mean, I'd be starting Kyler over Josh Allen. Yeah, maybe yeah, this year probably. I think last year Allen scored a little bit more, but still. I think he Murray's. did. But not, Murray's that dude this year that everyone's hyping up to be the MVP, so we'll just have to wait and see what happens. But like we were saying earlier, Tyrod Taylor, he could end up on the Sharks. There's your move. Just waiting for it to happen. I appreciate the plug, Cole and Jabir. I know you don't like answering all my obnoxious DMs, but how about you send one for Tyrod Taylor when I make it happen, buddy? But anyway, so just to uh, defend some of the points, I feel like my goal here was to, like Aaron said, acquire that high top-end yet young assets, but kind of to echo what Trent said, these are assets that have a lot of question marks around them, which means I could get them for a lower price than what much lower price than what their ceiling actually is and my opinion in dynasty specifically is when you're rebuilding you shoot for the high ceiling players because you don't want to be the mediocre team i know there's been a lot of sentiment throughout this podcast specifically that has mentioned that once you get into the playoffs it's all luck from there so getting into the playoffs is the race and just to give some context for why I made these moves in the offseason, I completely disagree with that sentiment. I believe that I don't want to be the Atlanta Hawks with Joe Johnson and Josh Smith, where they're making the playoffs as a low seed every single year, but they don't have enough talent to win and they can't get enough draft capital to reinvigorate their roster. And so I believe you need to choose to go all in, whether that be rebuilding or going all in for the championship. And so that's why I've traded so many of my upper talent players throughout the offseason. Um, and so like Aaron said, I am scared that I could squeak into the playoffs. But even if that happens, I'm not going to do a fire sale just because I feel like most of these players are those high ceiling young players and I wouldn't want them not on my roster. And so if that is the case, I'd be okay 
looking at mid-round talent in the draft as I'd look for good volume, especially with not having potentially a college season or even most of the prospects sitting out. I believe there's going to be some talent that falls to me in the middle of the round or the late round that I need to capitalize on. Get the whole first round. Make it happen for the clout. For context, he's just saying that because he wants to trade for DJ Moore. All right, next up we have our seventh-ranked team, the Denver Duckies. Arguing for will be Trent, and arguing against will be Joey. Have at it. Yeah, so I think I was a little bit higher on the Duckies than everyone else was, Um, obviously, which is why I'm arguing for Dan. I had them at one, two, three, four, five in my personal power rankings. Um, Just kind of to piggyback off of just talking about the quarterback room, um, you know, Joey has the two, but I think this is a really neat quarterback room. I think Drew Brees is kind of not getting credit this offseason, but he's still in a really good situation in New Orleans with obviously Michael Thomas and Michael Thomas there and the acquisition of um, Emmanuel Sanders. Uh, a lot of people are high on Daniel Jones this year. And then you have Goff, who's always a solid option, and Tua, who's a rookie in Miami that could potentially be the future. So, I could see Dan maybe moving a quarterback or two to try to boost his uh, running backs or wide receiver room and just snowballing into that. I think while the running back room struggles with depth, um, Alvin Kamara and Austin Eckler are both going to be guys who could be, it could be two guys in the top seven, two guys in the top 10, um, really good running backs. And then, you know, Frank Gore in, the, in New York, could be a, a dark horse this year. I mean, he might not be a guy who's going to light up the stat, she- stat sheet, but if the Jets are down in the red zone and it's first and goal to go, um, I best believe that Frank Gore will be in the game. So could be a really touchdown machine player for him. Uh, wide receiver, I think he's set up really well for the year. Um, you know, his rookies are T. Higgins. And um, last year's, obviously, Terry McLaurin, he took. So he's kind of established himself is taking risk on wide receivers that work out. So who knows? Um, also with Mims, who could come into the Jets and potentially be their wide receiver one or a slot wide receiver that gets a lot of targets. They're high on him, taking him in the second round. And Tate in Cincinnati's the pretty much the wide receiver too. So I think there's a lot of – and Cooper Cup. Don't forget Cooper Cup. So there's a lot of points that could be done. There's a lot of points in the wide receiver room that – I think can come about and also Justin Jefferson. So great wide receiver rookie room, Um, some question marks, but I think there's a lot of points to come out of that wide receiver room and running back room more than I think the rest of the host here on the podcast. So I think maybe that in addition to him having both Bosa brothers on defense, a pretty average linebacker room, nothing that jumps off the sheet, but also solid, um, production with Jones and you know uh, Zach Bond rookie could turn up for him so I think it's just a really solid I think it's a win now squad um, Buda Baker Peters a lot of big names in the secondary it's just I really think it's a really good squad to win now um, more so than I guess the rest of you guys did but I really like the direction he's going and I think he could sh- ship one of those quarterbacks to maybe get a true running back three slash four 
Yeah, I'm going to pick up right off where you left off, actually, um, with your sentiment that he's going to be a competing roster. Uh, you've heard my opinion on needing to go all in one way or the other. And as Trent so kindly pointed out, this is a team that should have been going all in to win now. And just looking specifically right at his Julio Jones trade, this is a roster that doesn't know where it's going. It doesn't know whether it's rebuilding and it doesn't know whether it's competing now. And so what's going to happen is it's going to be one of those rosters that is doomed for mediocrity in the upcoming years. And I believe specifically with the Darius Geis injury, which was very unfortunate, well, not injury, but incident is very unfortunate. But uh, looking at Eckler and Kamara are the only two valuable running backs on this roster, period. And then at the quarterback position, I think it's a great room from top to bottom. But at the same time, this isn't a super flex league. You're only going to play one quarterback per league. Having four great ones is just as good as having two great ones. There is no difference. And so I just believe that this team has value in the quarterbacks that needs to be spread throughout. And I don't see many people outside of Jabir or maybe Hunter trading for a quarterback. And so if he can't get that done, that's going to be attacking his foot. And then looking at the receivers, these receivers, I believe, do have the upside that I'd like. I like the McLaurin upside. I like the Denzel Mims upside. But I just don't think that there's enough firepower here to win now. And considering that's what his roster is built to do, I just don't see them going in a straight path towards a specific goal. I feel like they're trying to do two things at once and they're not going to accomplish either. And so it's kind of a shame because he has such a nice um, competitive advantage, specifically at the defensive end, that nobody else in the league has. He had Julio and his wide receiver core, who could be the wide receiver one this year. And then, like you said, he has Drew Brees, he has Goff, he has Daniel Jones. One of those hit a hot streak. He could have a top five quarterback. And so I felt like he had the position, the assets to win now, and he kind of squandered it. So that is why I am so low on this roster, as opposed to where I was last year, putting them as my dark horse to win it all, actually. So in all your humble opinions who is the starting quarterback for this roster if you had to pick one do you think it's just breeze just based off of uh, merit and how good he's been forever do you think you would play one of the upside plays i would go with breeze yeah probably breeze just because of the offense until until one of them proved that they could continue to play at a high level for the 2020 season I don't know. It's going to be, it's tough to be honest with you. And I believe that it's going to be matchup centric. If he's playing against a lower team, I believe that going with the safe option of Drew Brees is always going to be the good move. But if he's playing one of these upper teams, I believe going for somebody like a Jared Goff or Daniel Jones, who actually has better weapons around them in terms of their receiving cores. And they have specifically Daniel Jones and even Tua, they add so much value from the running game and using their legs, especially when they're in the red zone. I feel like they are going to have higher ceilings and he's going to need to use them in those matchup against the better teams. So I, again, I think it's going to be matchup reliant. Given that Joey gave such a good answer, I'm just going to uh, ride his coattails. Now, also, this is 
partially off topic here, but I'm going to gas up Drew Brees for you here. So given the fact that COVID is potentially keeping fans from a ton of the stadiums in the league, not all, but some of the stadiums, Drew Brees, as you all know, is a home road split quarterback. There's a distinct difference in his statistics between one and the other, but home games and road games aren't going to mean as much this year. So we could see a spike in Brees points. We could see a spike in everyone's points, regardless of where they're at. Like Ben Roethlisberger, you know, his home road splits have always been an issue. For example, I know he's on a different team, but that's another one that you don't know what could happen with some of these quarterbacks that are traditionally home performers. They could end up being better everywhere. But uh, off topic here again, the Darius, oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. I was just going to say, I think just adding on to that Breeze is with everything going on in COVID and training camp. I mean, these quarterbacks are all, uh, you know, haven't been in the league even five years with unless is this maybe year six or five for golf, but you know, it, the preparation also that goes into it, you know, Breeze is, has been doing it longer, so he might just be the safer bet. Yeah. I'm going to ride off those coattails as well and kind of give a different perspective on what you propose, Cole. Think about it as a young, a rookie sophomore quarterback and not having to play in a ton of thousands of screaming fans, whether that be good or hostile. Mm-hmm. That's going to give them such better nerves, even in crunch time. And so I feel like while that could do well for these older quarterbacks that have very differentiating home road splits, I believe it could also be a big advantage for a younger quarterback, specifically like Daniel Jones, that he's not going to have to go into, hell, even Philadelphia. Nobody wants to play there as an opposing quarterback. He goes in there. There's no fans. I think it could be a much better outlook for him. All right, we have reached the halfway point of the pod. Moving on to our top six, we have in sixth place, the Honolulu High Tide. Arguing for this team is going to be Joey, and arguing against is going to be Cole. All right, so going into one of my recent sentiments, we're going to start right at the quarterback position. And in one quarterback system, you really only need two good quarterbacks. And this roster definitely has it with Matt Ryan and Carson Wentz. Both of them have such high ceilings, and they actually have really high floors as well. So I think he's one of the better quarterback positions as a whole. And then I was speaking with a lot of members in the league about the recent trade between these um, these two co-hosts. Um, involving James Conner and Adam Thielen as some of the highlights. And I compared that deal to what Dylan, the Grovers, made for Mike Evans last year, where I believe that Nick definitely won the value side of the deal by far. But at the same time, compositional-wise, this roster really needed James Conner, or more so a running back in general. While I do believe he could have got a better running back than James Conner, James Conner does have a very nice ceiling, and that's something that his running backs did not offer. Devin Singletary could not provide it. Ronald Jones could not provide it. And Le'Veon Bell sure as hell couldn't provide it. So getting James Conner was a really nice addition to the team. And then getting into the real core of this team is the wide receiver group. When you can start Devontae Adams and Chris Godwin on one roster, it's phenomenal. And then you add the young talent of DK Metcalf, it just boosts it even better. And I believe getting receivers like Nicole Hardman, Alshon Jeffrey, and Brandon Ayuk to add to the depth of the uh, position, I think it's a very nice rounded core. Um, the only spot I'm worried about 
is the tight end position. And I know that Trent loves Blake Jarwin, so I'm not going to bash on him too hard. But I do believe that he could look to be a contender to move for somebody like Travis Kelsey from the retrievers or something of that sort just to round out the offensive positions as a whole on this roster. And then looking at the defensive positions, I believe he had very nice production last year. It was from three, yes, three of his defensive line positions, which is very nice. And then his linebackers having four people score above 100 points and having the fourth being Devin White, who's bound to progress and become better. I feel like this roster is definitely an above average at linebacker. The only thing that scares me is having three Tampa Bay linebackers really kind of limits the ceiling in the future. And so that's okay for now. I would look I would like to see him diversify where his points are coming from team-wise, but that's okay. And then looking to a secondary, I definitely believe that's where he needed to make the most investment in the offseason. And he did grabbing Malik Hooker for uh, it was definitely in the hundreds um, of his fab, but pairing Hooker with Jordan Poyer was a very nice move, and grabbing Xavier McKinney was a very nice pick as well. So I believe he rounds out his IDPs very well. And overall, this is just a very well-rounded core, regardless whether you're looking at the offense or defense. And so if he can find a way to grab a tight end that I'm much more confident in, like the Travis Kelsey, or even if he looks to grab a risky pick in Evan Engram or something like that to add an upside there. I believe this could be a team that could really make a push late in the year that I'd like to see. So I'm not going to have as long of a uh, counter argument as you would uh, have for the lower teams here since we're getting into the playoff rosters in uh, the power rankings. But uh, my issue with the high tide is the running back position, like we were mentioning a second ago. I'm still a pretty big believer in Le'Veon Bell, but that situation in New York is not necessarily the best, and I don't think it's going to be very conducive to success once again this year. I mean, he did score a decent amount of points there. I think he was a high-end RB2 last year. I could be wrong. But uh, aside from Le'Veon Bell and James Conner, which James Conner is pretty random, I would say, in his range of outcomes due to his injuries, he could be really good. He could be really bad. Outside of those two, it's kind of sketch i mean i like ronald jones though personally i think he's gonna be pretty good um devin singletary like we said earlier in the pod he's been getting a lot of negative reviews out of camp for fumbling issues so we'll just have to wait and see what happens i think if he can grab a stud here uh in the near future like a true like stud high-end young it would be really helpful to his roster you can't bag on his receiving core i think chris godwin and uh adams and dk metcalf is one of the top like probably like top three or four stacks of wideouts so you can find in the entire league really high on Metcalf. So I think he's done a really good job. And then KJ Hamler has been flashing at Broncos camp. He's going to end up being a really good player. So you can't bag on the receiving core. Uh, backtracking a little bit. Quarterback is obviously really good, like Joey mentioned. So you can't really bag on that either. I think Carson Wentz has the potential to be an MVP uh, candidate for years to come still. I think I'm as high as uh, on Carson Wentz as Colin Cowherd. So I think he's going to be an MVP player for a long time. Tight end is, like Joey had also mentioned, a little bit uh, lacking, so we could see an upgrade for that. So that's going to be somewhere you can ding. Defensive end is older, and linebacker is also older, so you just need a little bit of an influx of young talent there, and those could be looking up for the future, but Devin White's looking to be a stud here going forward. DB, like Joey said, also got a lot of help. Some of the players there are kind of lower end, though, so... 
Rashad Jones is looking like he's getting long in the tooth. He might not even sign anywhere. You might have to just call it quits here from this point on. But like we said, this is uh, the first of the playoff teams in the uh, power rankings, so you can't bag on him too much. I like the roster. He's got one of the best coaches in the league here with Bill Belichick. So we're going to see solid points from that and a lot of these other positions, but we just have to wait and see how the year pans out for him. If I had to project for Trent right now, I think that he probably will be a playoff team. So this uh, the West is looking pretty stacked, but even though I was arguing against the team, I still like it. I think I'm just going to go first and foremost. Um, I'm not sure that I would ever want to associate myself with Colin Cowherd um, as, a, as an analyst. <laughs> hey, I'm just saying. I, I can't think of any other analyst that is as high on Carson Wentz as Colin Cowherd, and I feel like I'm in the same vein. Like I think literally Carson Wentz is a player that long-term could be a Hall of Fame player. Yeah, I'm just messing with you. Um, I'm not going to talk too much about the Trent's team. I think it's in a all right spot. I'll just say that given that last year I really did not like his running back core at all when he had Leonard Fournette, Devonta Freeman, David Johnson, and nobody else, to now this year he's added Le'Veon Bell, he has James Conner, he has Devin Singletary. I mean, I hate Rollin Jones, but he's probably going to carry the ball a decent bit. Um, I just definitely think he's done a pretty good job at uh, – retooling that position group and uh it's definitely a solid roster dumping david johnson was a really good move agreed and i'm just gonna jump in real quick here one last piece um i know cole made a nice plug for me to get jabir to trade for tyrod taylor so i like to make one here between nick and trent uh nick is the only team in our league i believe that does not have a head coach at the moment where trent has three of the best possible coaches in arians belichick and kingsbury and so we saw a coach in Vrabel go for in the 70s worth of fab, which is about what a wide receiver two or three would go for. And so I believe that would be a very nice trade where Nick has quite a lot of receiver depth, but no head coach. And it would add another nice trade piece for Trent to go and look for another running back. He could pair with maybe Devin Singletary to grab a better running back. Yeah, I mean... Just I guess if to wrap up my team, <clears throat> I uh, the James Conner trade was definitely a risk for me. I kind of knew that I needed another running back piece, as all of you guys have mentioned. And at the time, my wide receivers were really strong with Thielen, and I felt that with drafting Hamler, getting Hardman, and drafting Ayuk, um, I just had kind of to do a little bit of tug of war and invest in both positions versus being so lopsided. So I, I think it was a pretty fair trade. I think it would even be fair to say that Nick definitely won in value. So I think you guys kind of just hit that on the head. Yeah, this is definitely a team I'm really growing on. The wide receiver, I have them ranked as the second best team in the in that positional group. Um, The only issue is being like tight end. For example, I don't see Jarwin getting the kind of volume that he'd need unless he's going to be an incredible end zone threat. It's probably just not going to happen. And Olsen's getting older and Jordan or OJ Howard just hasn't really shown anything so far. Might be worth trading for one at this point, but obviously up to him. In pretty much every positional group, I have this team ranked in the middle to above middle pack i can definitely see them making the playoffs making some noise in the playoffs this whole 
Is it the East, West Division is going to be stacked this year? It's going to be interesting to watch how that unfolds. The Tampa Bay High Tide. <laughs> Let's go. All right, so next up at number five in our power rankings, we have the Magicians. Arguing for will be Aaron, and arguing against will be Nick. So take it away, Aaron. All right, so the uh, the Magicians are a team that I actually ended up being higher on in my grades than I thought I was going to be. Uh, they came in third in my rankings. I'm definitely a fan of this team overall. Um, looking at the positives, uh, he has Dak Prescott, who, in my opinion, is a top three QB. Uh, I would take him over anybody not named Kyler and Mahomes. Uh, his running back core is um, top three, in my opinion. He's got Dalvin Cook. I mean, assuming that he comes to his senses and comes back to play. Um, Josh Jacobs, who proved me wrong last year. He's got Melvin Gordon. He's got Chris Carson. And he really kind of lucked in to uh, having Antonio Gibson, who could now be in a pretty featured role there in Washington uh, over the second half of the year, I think. Uh, His receivers, again, pretty solid. He's got Kenny Galladay. He's got Jarvis. He's got Diggs. And... He's got those three he can rely on every week, and that'll allow him to kind of focus on the running backs with his flex positions. But he's also got some sneaky upside in um, Robbie Anderson and kind of an underrated guy, in my opinion, is Randall Cobb, who I really think is going to have a productive year, although not a very uh, very sexy one for fantasy. Um, and then just on the defense, he's just top five to six in every position group. I think on defense, he just doesn't have a weakness that I can see. He might not have, you know, the best at any one of the position groups, but I just think overall this team does not have a glaring weakness in my opinion. And that's probably why he finished so high in my, uh, in my rankings. Seeing how we're getting into the top half now, there's not as many things to pick on here, but quarterback, obviously nothing to worry about. About with Prescott at the top there. He should have a great year. Running back, with Carson being injured, who knows if he can really pull back and take that lead position. Um, Cook, obviously a question mark with the whole holdout. And Jacobs, I can see him being easily a top, or top a running back one this year. Uh, the wide receiver position, beyond the top three of Galladay, Landry, and Diggs, I don't see a tremendous amount of depth, which could hinder throughout the year, especially during a year where anybody could get struck by an illness and be out for a couple weeks. Uh, the tight end group, Fant is coming along, but there's hasn't really been a proven producer on that, or on, at the position yet for this team. And on defense, the D-line's really nice. Uh, there's a lot to like about Josh Allen and uh, Jones. But linebacker, I find them slightly below average. Uh, Cunningham's should be getting a good linebacker one, linebacker two, somewhere in their range this year. LVE's coming back from, was it neck surgery or something? I believe so. Yeah, which is always tricky, especially when you're flying at people to hit them all game long and past that to hear whitehead hasn't really shown much in his career thus far and draw davis is the same i don't see a lot of depth at the position which could also be a problem uh overall this is going to be a good team 
I can definitely see them in the playoffs. All right. So jumping into the round table, I want to continue building on some of the negatives actually for this team. I found myself a little bit lower on this roster. Uh, Nick and I had him the lowest actually together. And I felt like that was because this team, I want to give sentiments for going all in. They definitely have made that push to grab some upper end talent. But my problem is I feel like they haven't got high enough of upper end talent if that makes sense um if you i believe the upper end talent they have is really nice in dak dalvin cook and josh jacobs but outside of that every other piece is mediocre i don't see stefan diggs finishing as a wide receiver one in buffalo i feel like there's going to be regression there i'm worried about kenny galladay becoming a top 10 receiver consistently I just don't see that happening, especially with Detroit showing they're wanting to invest in the running game. And then in tight end, it's going to be really tricky, specifically with Noah Fant, because of all the additions the Broncos offense has made in the offseason. And so I want to credit Devin for going all in. I'm just worried that he's not going to be able to compete with some of the upper team's talent that they've acquired. So I'm worried. And alongside of that, I believe some of his talent is a little bit older. Not too bad, just a little bit. So I'd be a little nervous if I was Devin, but I believe he could be a few pieces away, maybe a package deal to get one of those top five talents out of position outside of quarterback to really make a better push. Here's a question for you all. So you know how we did the grading scale for this. What actual score did you have on his running backs and backup running backs combined out of 25 what score did you give Devin 23 I had him at a 21 I had an 18 out of 25 let's see 18 I ended up having graded out as a 24 out of 25 at running back um his like if we had to pick a two-headed monster for running backs he probably has the second best in the league you guys can probably all deduce who the best one-two punch at running back is. But when it comes to the backups and what he's going to have sitting on the bench, I think he has the best running back group, and I graded him out as near perfect because of that. But like you guys were saying, this team's probably a wide receiver away from being top, top-end team here. But good squad all around. Just need one, two high-end players. I also like kind of what Joey was saying. With um, I like Noah Fant a lot. But that offensive could that offensive room, especially with all the wide receiver weapons they've brought in, could get a little crowded. And Drew Locke has looked good last year, but we still don't know. I could maybe see a scenario where I like Eric Ebron in Pittsburgh this year. And if a Big Ben's healthy, we know he likes his tight ends. So I could maybe even see an Eric Ebron resurgence in Pittsburgh. Yeah, I'm going to jump right back to the running back um, proposal. Um, reflecting on me giving them, in hindsight, I gave them a 19, not an 18. Math is hard sometimes. But anyway, I did that because looking at his running backs, this is the problem between the real NFL and fantasy. His running backs are very talented. Um, obviously, Chris Carson is very good on the ground. Davin Cook, probably a top five, the top six talent. Um, Melvin Gordon, we saw what he was able to do in San, or, uh, San Diego and Los Angeles. And then Josh Jacobs proved very well as well. But none of them really have a receiving upside to them. And when looking at the top 
running backs. They have to have that mixture of on the ground and receiving upside. And I just didn't see it specifically with Josh Jacobs. You saw the Raiders bringing in so many pass catching backs and Chris Carson. He's not going to add to that. So really he's looking at Dalvin Cook and uh, Melvin Gordon. And I don't know if Melvin Melvin Gordon is going to get enough pass catching action to really live up to these running back hypes. And just to uh, reflect on Cole saying this is the number two one-two punch at running back, I would at least put them third, or at best third. When you look at, eventually we'll get to the Grovers and Paladins. The Grovers have Zeke and Saquon. Nothing's going to get better than that in terms of one-two. And then the Paladins have the trio in Chubb, uh, CEH, and Miles Sanders, and you could combine any of those two, and I believe that would be better than what Devin has. So at best, I'd put three, but still, I don't see many of them outside of Cook and maybe Gordon as having any receiving upside, and so I don't think their fantasy production is going to match their on-field talent. So if you had to pick right now, if you chose Edward Solaire and Miles Sanders, for example, against Josh Jacobs and Dalvin Cook, you would take the sanders Hilaire. 100%. And again, it's going to be much based on the receiving upside. Interesting. Uh, last thing to talk about on the Magicians here, um, just when Cole said this team's a receiver away from being a top, top team, um, just imagine what this team would look like if Antonio Brown didn't go off the rails last year with that, uh, that second round startup value. That is a very good question to ponder. And I know so many of you are pondering who's going to be in our top four. So we're going to move into the four spot. <laughs> we have, uh, that was a great transition, I know. We're going to go look at the defending champions, the Scaro Spiders. And presenting the positives is going to be Nick. And being the anti-positive guy himself, Cole is going to be arguing against. All right, coming in at the quarterback position, it's hard to argue with what Watson's done. Obviously, having Hopkins gone now is going to be difficult, but he should be able to spread the ball around to a few talented wide receivers and Cooks, Fuller, and uh, Cobb, considering or provided they're all healthy, which is a big if. Uh, running back, Henry, is a beast last year. Our league being that kind of interesting half PPR with the what would it be considered like an integral based passing yard puts pass catching backs at a slight disadvantage as opposed to a full PPR but yeah having that stack of Derrick Henry, Kenyon Drake, Todd Gurley that's going to be a nice running back room it's not the most beautiful and in, for the future it's not too pretty either but for this year it's definitely going to carry this team quite a ways uh, Ingram, of course, coming in for some depth, provided Dobbins doesn't overtake him at any point in the year, which could very well happen. Uh, at wide receiver, that Julio trade was very beneficial for this team this year, especially. He's been absolutely automatic with those wide receiver one finishes over the past uh, pretty much his whole career at this point. Uh, Gallup is underrated. He's going to be facing a little more competition for targets, but I could see him definitely getting a nice low-end wide receiver two year in. Woods, another guy that's underrated. Should be able to help carry this team a little further. Uh, tight end, Ertz has been one of those guys a lot of people almost want to see disappear. <laughs> they don't quite get it, but 
he's sticking around. He's always putting up those nice tight end numbers. I wish he would disappear. (laughs) (laughs) No bias there at all. And then on defense, I have every single position ranked in the top half. Linebacker and defensive back, I have top three. It's just a good squad all around. I look forward to seeing what they do this year. So if I'm looking at my grading for the Spiders here, I had him at number five overall. And when you're looking at this team, it's like he had just mentioned, this squad is built for a win now, and that's this season, and then maybe next season, and then he's going to have to go on a bit of a minor rebuild here. And I think the reason I ding this roster more than uh, the other uh, graders here was because of the fact that it is potentially the oldest roster in the league here. A lot of these assets are getting up there in age. And then at running back here, like Kenyon Drake, who knows what he's going to do long term. He's been kind of an on and off asset so far in his career. Todd Gurley's knee, who knows what's going on with that. I think he's been in limbo with his knee for how long now? Has it been like two years that we've been debating Todd Gurley? Derek Henry's hit the 26 mark. So everyone uh, on fantasy Twitter says 26 is the death sentence. So who knows how much longer Derek Henry's going to be around. I'll probably give him two more years. Mark Ingram's 30. He's going to be gone next year from Baltimore. And then aside from that, running back's kind of iffy outside the big dudes. And then wide out, like I said, getting a little bit older. Robert Woods is, uh, I think he's 28 or 29, but it's not so much age for him. He's going to be potentially leaving the Rams next year. They can cut him for a really low dead money. It'll be the last year of his contract, so he might be going somewhere else, and that production might dip. Julio's getting older. I love Michael Gallup. I think he's going to be a base going forward, but outside of that, wide receiver is really thin. And then, like you have mentioned, Zach Ertz. Zach Ertz probably is going to stick around for a while, but I just expect the production to dip. And this team just needs to get a little bit younger. But he doesn't really have any. Uh, I think he traded away his picks for this year at the top. Let me check here. He yeah, he doesn't have a first round pick, so it's basically he reloaded for this year to try and go for the back to back, and it's definitely possible. And if we're looking solely for this year, he is definitely in competition for the championship. But long term, that's the reason I dinged him. Is it's just kind of sketchy when you're looking at some of these assets; they're getting older. I'll go ahead and kick us off on the round table. And um, rather than be a smart and rational person and admit my mistakes, I'm going to double down on my take from last year, which is that this team is too overall balanced at every position and not strong enough at any one to uh, win this title, even though he did exactly that last year. You're going to make him um, repeat, dude. <laughs> I, just, I, I actually had this team lower than Cole did. It just kind of worked out with the, the scheduling that – you know, it made more sense for Cole to argue on it, but I don't know. I just like his running backs are good, but I don't think that even though it's a you know four deep group, I still don't think it's better than um, a top half. You know, I have him ranked sixth at running back. His receivers, I have ranked toward the bottom. Um, his defense, uh, I think, kind of takes a big hit this year. Uh, Logan Ryan far exceeded anyone's expectations last year, but. He's a he's a free agent right now, and even if he signs with the team, whether it be you know the Jets or wherever else, I don't think he's gonna be involved quite as much as he was last year because he was targeted a lot in the second half of the uh, twenty eighteen or yeah twenty nineteen season. Um, so yeah, I just overall just think this team is too. It's good at every position, but it's not great at any, and that is going to doom this team 
like it did not last year. I say it's going to doom this team to a repeat championship. <laughs> Give it the good old reverse uh, caster curse. But going off of Aaron's sentiments, I, I also have the Spiders um, pinned as a team that could potentially have a real steep downfall, whether that be now or in the very near future. I believe most, if not all, of his key assets are at peak value or already on the decline. I don't see very many players that are ever going to go up in value or production on his roster. And I would challenge any of you to uh, give me an example who could do better. But And so that really worries me for this roster where if two or three of his key pieces start to go downhill, which is inevitable in the near future, it's going to be a very steep slope. And so while I think, or I completely understand why he would reload for back-to-back championship, and quite honestly, I think it's the right move. I just think it's very risky and it could get very bad very quickly. And so I can't put much confidence into this roster or into the ratings. I think your uh, your point about find me a uh, asset that could appreciate is interesting here though because when you're looking through you really can't find one outside of I think Gallup, Deshaun maybe? Watson Deshaun Watson and Gallup. Deshaun Watson is in my opinion, I think he's one of those guys that, like I mentioned, Carson Wentz is going to be a Hall of Famer. I think that Sean Watson also is a Hall of Fame tier talent, and we could see him potentially ascend even higher than where he is right now. But uh, Gallup, I think, I mean, I don't know how you guys feel about this, but Gallup almost feel like he's better than Amari Cooper. And we could see Gallup ascend to the number one there, or C.D. Lamb could ascend to the number one there, and I think that Cooper could be gone here soon. So those, those two assets are definitely looking up and up. But the rest of the roster just kind of old. But, you know, like we were saying, the title contender. So let's see. I guess I should just add real quick because I actually have the Spiders at one. So um, Jason, as the previous champion in my division, unlike Cole and Aaron, I respect you. Um, Thanks for beating us up last year. But I kind of went with this team as the number one. I think with everything you guys are saying, we're kind of saying the same thing. Um, I guess my rankings were probably a little bit based more on going into this season versus the overall picture. Um, it kind of just, that was my thought going into it. So pretty much everything you guys have said about the roster, I agree with. Um, I think his wide receivers, you know, with Jones, we talked about Jones, Gallup, um, Woods. I think William Tyrell Williams is also, you know, someone who has had a solid last two years. And as a wide receiver four, um, potentially wide receiver three, depending on what Gallup decides he wants to do. Um, I think that that wide receiver core is a little bit more solid, at least in my opinion. Ertz is obviously top three, and uh, the defense is in a really good position other than the fact that his leading secondary player in Logan Ryan isn't on a team, as Aaron mentioned. So if that doesn't handle itself, that would definitely be a huge um, his next best score from last year was, I think, like 30 points behind in that position group. So hopefully it works out for Logan Ryan and he gets a fat check somewhere since Tennessee doesn't like him anymore. All right, we have reached the top three for the 2020 season. Uh, all three of these teams came in with a, a group average of less than three. So these were 
almost a consensus top three. But coming in at number three, we have the runner-up last year, the Pine Grove Grovers. Arguing for this team is going to be Trent, and arguing against is going to be Cole once again. All right, so going into the Grovers, I think they are a very good team this year. In my personal rankings, I had the Grovers at uh, two, um, actually tied with the Spiders with the same score, but gave the tiebreaker to the Spiders. Um, You know, being the runner-up, I don't necessarily think a lot's changed. He has a great established quarterback in Aaron Rodgers. Um, I think Rodgers has been getting a little bit less credit this year. People are kind of expecting him to decline. I don't necessarily see it. If it doesn't work out, he still has a very viable option in uh, Matthew Stafford. And, you know, Drew Locke looked good last year. And we don't know what the future holds for Justin Herbert. So another pretty solid quarterback room. Um, You get to the obvious running back situation with Ezekiel Elliott and Saquon Barkley. I mean, it doesn't get much better than that. Um, uh, An amazing one-two punch. And Marlon Mack, you know, will still be a very viable option in Indianapolis, even though they brought in Taylor. And a little bit of the same thing with Coleman. It's a kind of a crowded backfield there in San Fran. But I think he provides PPR value and uh, will still be on the field a good amount for the success of that team. And if the running back three and four slack, I think Zeke and Saquon are more than capable of picking up the slack. Wide receivers obviously are great with Evans, Cooper. I don't um, really agree with Cole. I think Amari Cooper is probably there to stay as the number one in Dallas. I don't really see where Gallup or Lamb kind of overtake that role. Um, I think they brought him there for a reason, and I think Dak really likes him. Edelman, it'll be interesting to see what happens just because of Cam Newton being there. And um, a wide receiver four with Devontae Parker, you know, kind of another wild card, but just very solid wide receiver room. Lacks a little bit of depth outside of the starters. And, you know, he could run into some injuries with that very talented running back group that could pose some problems. Not a lot of depth. So that's really the only way I could see that team going south. Um, Very good defense. I believe I gave him top. He's in my top five for defenses. So, you know, Jamal Adams in Seattle now. Um, that's a, probably the biggest one on his defense. Defensive line is solid with guys like Sue and Watt, obviously older, but still going to have a ton of production. And linebackers, you can't go wrong with Martinez, Littleton. So, yeah, I mean, he was pretty much my almost best group, almost best team. Um, came in second obviously came in second last year but I still think this is a team that's uh, set to run to the title unless something dramatic goes wrong in the running back room yeah I uh I think I had yeah no not I think I had him ranked as the third best team tied with the magicians so I believe in this roster as well um quarterback could be a little bit sketchy going forward because Aaron Rodgers looks like he's not got the same ceiling as he used to have when he was younger. He is 36. He's getting up there, and the Packers seem like they're trying to push him out for some odd reason. So Matt Stafford and our Rodgers are going to provide that low-end QB1, high-end QB2 protection. So if you can have Justin Herbert blossom going forward, that's going to be pretty good. Coach is looking really good for him. He's got two... uh, Two good coaches in Peyton and Zimmer, so they're going to be playoff teams, of course. And then, like we were mentioning, running back Zeke and Saquon, or Zeke and Saquon. But when it comes to Deion Lewis and Marlon Mack and Tevin Coleman, 
Uh, Marlon Mack seems like the kind of player that could get traded somewhere and end up being like an okay player and just kind of providing like high-end RB3 numbers for his career. Like as a starter that just gets supplanted a few times, he seems like he could be decent. And then Coleman and Lewis. I mean, Coleman's going to see the field. Lewis is not going to see the field. He's going to be kind of pointless in the fantasy, uh, barring a Saquon injury. But the running back core is a little thin outside of the top end guys. And then the wide receivers are obviously great, but they're a little bit older as well here with uh, Edelman. And then Deshaun Jackson and Devontae Parker is older than we all think. But he has been in the league forever, but I am high on Devontae Parker. I think he's going to be good for a few years going forward. But on this roster, we have probably the best startup pick that anyone made overall when it comes to uh asset that performed last year, and that was Darren Waller was Dylan's last pick in round 40 of the startup. So we can give uh, Dylan a little bit of a golf clap for that one. Good job. Last pick, getting a high-end tight end one. And then, he, like he said uh, earlier, Trent said defense is a little bit older in certain spots. Uh, Blake Martinez is not a very good uh, player in real life, but he is a great IDP asset. So Jamal Adams is going to carry the secondary. It's just it's a good team. It's hard to find things to rag on with the team. There are a few things you can nitpick, but I think that given the fact that he traded for Saquon and he was able to give away DJ Moore with who he has at wide receiver, he is prime for a title run this year as well. And we could see him as one of the better teams going forward for the next few years with those two running backs carrying the way. Yeah, jumping right into the round table, I'm just going to start it off right away. Um, mirroring one of your guys' thoughts on, I guess both of you mentioned that the depth is kind of missing for this roster. And in a normal season, that would scare me a little bit. But specifically going into this season, um, amongst the potential COVID, missing a few weeks and whatnot for some players, um, it really scares me how little depth there is, um, specifically at running back and at tight end. I believe if either Saquon, Zeke, or uh, Waller go down, this team is really going to struggle. At wide receiver, he has a nice... I'd say six options. And so that I feel more confident in and same with the quarterback, but everywhere else I'm really worried about injuries and uh, illnesses. And as an owner who was plagued last year by injuries, I can completely empathize with that. And so I'd be a little more worried, but I can completely understand coming in second, why he'd want to load up on higher um, value talent to make that final push to get the chip. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to this squad, too. Uh, on offense, the running backs are just going to carry the team. The rest of the positional groups, from my opinion, are middling. And then the defense itself is just going to ball out this year. I have them as top four positional groups all across the board. I can see them doing really well and helping propel this team to a potential or another championship game, potentially. Yeah, I don't have much to say about Dylan's team. I think the only reason he comes in at this spot is just because the the two teams that are ahead of him, uh, you have one team that just had really bad luck in the uh, regular season last year, and the other just had a really bad team last year. So it's not so much that Dylan did anything wrong. It's just that I think the other two teams uh, have just jumped ahead of him. But obviously, it's still a title contender, in my opinion. 
Now, moving on from the Gerbers, we are going to go ahead and jump into our number two team, the San Diego Paladins. Arguing for, we have Joey, and arguing against, we have Trent. Take it away, Joey. So as Cole introduced this team as the number two team, I'm going to make this very clear. This is the number one team, and it's not even close. Looking at this roster, you have a, t- a QB1 in Baker Mayfield, who had a terrible situation last year. His chemistry with his receivers were awful, and I blame most of it on the scheme around him. You bring in somebody who's going to do better at coaching and putting Baker in a position to succeed. And on top of that, I think the more important thing is the investment the Browns have made into their offensive line. The hype that Baker had last year should be what he's getting this year, and he's getting none of it. And so I'm really high on Baker going into this year when most people are forgetting about him and it's not even his fault. And then looking at the running backs, I talked earlier in the podcast, this is the best one, two, three in the entire league. You have Nick Chubb, CEH, and Miles Sanders. You have youth. You have that dual threat upside of on the ground and receiving. It's untouched. While the depth is lacking at the running backs for a championship contender, he has such a good one, two, three that I believe it makes up for it. And then looking at receivers, when you have uh, DeAndre Hopkins and you have Michael Thomas, the question is, does, does any of the rest matter? And regardless of what your answer to that is, his depth is great. You have Danny Amendola, who's going to be a very nice play in Detroit. I think he's going to be underrated this year. You have Tyler Boyd, who I said earlier, is going to give you that consistent high wide receiver too. You have Brandon Cooks, who's going to give you that ceiling play every single week. You have C.D. Lamb, who was the wide receiver one in this class moving forward. And then you have Allen Robinson, who has, over the past few years, been one of the most underrated wide receiver ones that is finally getting in into the spotlight this year one of the best receiving cores in the league. So we have an underrated quarterback, the best running back trio in the league, and one of the best wide receiver cores in the league. And then you look at the tight ends, and I know earlier in the show, I believe Trent said that Zach Ertz was a top three tight end, and that's not true because Mark Andrews proved he's taking that spot last year. It's going to go Kittle, it'll go Kelsey, and then Andrews is going to slot right in. The dude barely ran routes last year, And I want you guys to go and look. Go look at the number and where he finished amongst tight ends. There is no doubt between his age and the situation not changing at all, except for his backup leaving, which means he's going to run more routes. This is going to be a great offense from quarterback through tight end. And then you look at the defense. He has Fred Warner. He has Deion Jones, and he drafted Kenneth Murray. That is a great three, not to mention Onyuasor is going to do very well, and Williamson. And then you look at the secondary, is being held down by Trey White, one of the best corners in the league, Malcolm Jenkins, who's putting up surprising numbers, and Keanu Neal, one of the best fantasy safeties in the league, who he didn't have last year. I just don't see how this roster isn't a top three, let alone the number one title contender when you look at everything. And not to mention, he still has an average to above average defensive line. I just, I don't understand how you could rank him lower than second and leading, go ahead, Trent, where you have him at six. Yeah, so 
Um, pretty much going into this roster, I think everything you said is a great point, but at the same time, everything you said and everything we're saying in this podcast warranted is based on speculation. But if you look at this quarterback room from a objective standpoint, this is one of the worst quarterback rooms in the league. Baker Mayfield may deserve all the hype this year, but last year he had more commercials than touchdowns. So the fact that we can just sit here and say that Baker Mayfield is going to lead this team to the promised land is absurd. We've been watching Cleveland Brown quarterbacks for the last 20 years get new coaches and new systems, and everything was supposed to be great, and nothing changes. So with that said, moving into running back, there's a huge, huge, huge opportunity here for Nick Chubb to be great. He's already great. And obviously, Miles Sanders, I believe, being a Penn Stater, is you know one of the best running backs. Is going to be one of the best running backs. But to sit here and say that a rookie who has never stepped on the field is already going to be better than Miles Sanders, or I'm sorry, Ezekiel Elliott and um, Saquon Barkley in the same room, I think that is crazy. We cannot be giving these rookies who have never played elite a snap in the NFL. I understand it's fantasy football and it's our job to read projections, but this could fall flat on its face and, and it would be one of the biggest blunders ever. But we, we don't know until he plays. And with Damian Williams opting out, that's obviously a huge opportunity for him to grow. And he's in a great position being on the best team in football. But after that, there's not a lot of depth. So that scares me. Wide receiver is obviously his, I believe, his best point with Michael Thomas and DeAndre Hopkins. I mean, with the exception of maybe Julio, I think, you know, he's a little bit older, but right now Thomas and Hopkins are both in great positions and they can be great and they can be great this year. So a lot of his points are going to come from the wide receiver room. Obviously, C.D. Lamb, another rookie that, you know, it should be, but we don't know. And, you know, the, the depth with Tyler Boyd, um, that's a, as of right now, Cincinnati's wide receiver one. So I think that is a good opportunity. Brandon Cooks has is in a new role, but has also been declining for the last couple of years. And it's just hard to say what he's going to do. So I guess what I'm saying is, as much as I love this team, and I know Aaron's probably mad at me, but at the end of the day, I'm just not saying that this is a bad team, but I'm not quite buying the hype. Um, I know you alluded to Trey White, another guy who is one of the best corners in football, but from a fantasy perspective, because he's a corner, didn't even have 100 points last year. So while this team is loaded with studs, I just don't know what their production is going to be. And with Cole, Jason, and myself being in the West, I wouldn't be surprised if this Paladins team came in third or fourth in the division. So that's my take on why I had Aaron so low. Yeah, just going back to your point on Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, I never said that he was better paired with somebody than Saquon and Zeke. I said the trio that he has is better than the trio that Dylan has with because of Marlon Mack. The reason that because of Marlon Mack, Jonathan Taylor is an absolute stud and is the best pure running back that was drafted this past year. That's going talent wins every single time in the NFL, regardless of team investment. And Jonathan Taylor's talent is through the roof. He's going to surtake Marlon Mack within the few weeks. Which means Dylan is going to have two starting running backs that are great and then nothing afterwards. Whereas you have Clyde Edwards Hilaire, who is on the best offense in football. 
with the best quarterback in football and one of the best offensive mind coaches in Andy Reid. If you look at his comparisons, everything is being compared to Brian Westbrook and look what Andy Reid did with him in Philadelphia. There's no reason to think, especially now with Damian Williams sitting out, that Edwards Hilaire can't step right into that role. Not to mention the youth on his side with Miles Sanders is, let's see, 23? 23. Edwards Hilaire is 21, and Nick Chubbs is 24. Not only is he going to have high-end production from these running backs right now, he's going to have it for the next four to five years especially with Edward Solaire getting that fifth year extension because he was drafted in the first round. When you're making these rankings, it's not only, you can't only expect to put value based on what they're going to do this year. Age and longevity has to be accounted for. And comparing this trio of running backs to anyone else's not only has the high-end production to match anyone else, it has the youth to match or be better than anybody else. So that's why I believe the trio as a whole is better than anyone else. I have to ask you real quick, do you actually think that Danny Amendola is going to do anything for the first time in his career at age 34, even though the Lions also just drafted uh, Cephas? He put up 100 points last year. Take that back. He's never had more than 700 yards in his career, not even once, and he's 34 years old. He's going to be 35 in November. As a wide receiver three or a four, or on this roster, a wide receiver eight, I think that's pretty good value. Yeah, this team, uh, this team's got a really high ceiling here. Um, I'm going to echo Trent a little bit. Quarterback is potentially problematic. Um, if Baker gets hurt, he's going to have to probably make a move for a QB in the title contending season. But um, I'm really high on Mark Andrews personally. I think Mark Andrews, like Joey said, could potentially end up being a uh, the tight end three and maybe even the tight end two. I mean, Kelsey's getting a little long in the tooth. Who knows? Maybe he starts to take a little bit of a step back. Uh, defense pretty solid. Uh, the DBs could use a uh, another stud in there as Keanu Neal has missed. I think he's missed like two years in a row now due to injury, and you don't really want to be starting corners if you don't have to. So, I think that there are a few spots where he could potentially improve on a championship run. But it's a pretty uh, pretty solid team overall. Obviously, as you guys think, I had him ranked uh, number two overall, so I think he could be pretty solid. And I think he potential championship run is in the works. Yeah, this is definitely a team that I uh, can see in the thick of it this year. I had them ranked, well, tied for first, but I gave them the tiebreaker over the other two teams. Uh, Quarterback is a question mark, as said. Uh, Mayfield, there's really no guarantees. He's going to be what is expected of him. And then Darnold's not much to fall back on. Uh, running backs, obviously, great. Wide receiver, great. Tight end, great. Uh, I find the defense, from my perspective, to be average across the board. It's definitely something that can be improved. But uh, overall, yeah, this uh, West Division is going to be scary. All right. First of all, I would just like to say that this is exactly the goal that I had in mind when I came up with the idea for this podcast is I wanted some ferocity and I wanted some, some, you know, entrenched takes, you know, even if it is against my own team, I, you know, have to say that I'm in favor. Now, with that being said, I cannot do much more of a better job in 
uh, you know, defending my team than Joey did. So I'm not going to do too much. Uh, Trent, I was not offended with your take on my QB. I have myself tied with uh, the Retrievers as the worst QB group or, you know, starting QB uh, situation in the league. But I mean, yeah, I unbiasedly think that I've done a fantastic job of building the receivers and running backs, which are the you know the meat and potatoes of a fantasy lineup. And if that means that I suffer a little bit on the uh, defensive side while, you know, still being, you know, okay at every position group, uh, I'm totally fine with that. I still, I still think you and I still think you and Hunter have a better quarterback situation than Jabir. Yeah, I can. Uh, where do we? Burrow? Okay, so let's check the rankings. Where do you guys? Okay, so quarterback, you were given twelve points for quarterback. What did you give Jabir out of twelve at quarterback? I gave Jabir. Well, we have a I get my my bottom three. My bottom three were, um, I gave. Out of 12, I gave Aaron, or I'm sorry, out of 12, I gave the Sharks a 6. I gave Aaron an 8, and I gave the Retrievers a 9. I gave him a 7 out of 12 with uh, all 7 coming from Joe Burrow, as there is nothing after that. Yikes. Yeah, I gave up 5. Yeah, me too. I gave a seven as well, but I do want to make a very quick point uh, while we're talking about his quarterbacks. Um, I believe the upside that Jameis is going to present, specifically if he stays in New Orleans, is actually insane. Man, what do you mean? Taysom Hill, man. Taysom Hill. Uh, Tommy Stevens, bro. Tommy Stevens. Stevens, Tommy Stevens. No, but seriously, if Jameis Winston is kind of being groomed similarly to what Teddy Bridgewater did. I would like, do any of you think Jameis or Teddy Bridgewater is more talented than Jameis? Nope. No. Okay. Mm, no. So as a, a team, football brain, that's what it is. So as a team that is rebuilding with Jabir, I think having Jameis is literally the perfect quarterback because there is nothing that that asset can do besides appreciate. And the amount that it could appreciate is insane. So that is why I'm higher on that quarterback room than most people, specifically because of Jameis. And I'm going to be a Jameis truther for the next year. I think the, uh, I, I mean, I don't know for sure, but I feel like it's really hard to find someone who likes Jameis more than I do. Um, but with that said, I think it goes back to the point of that I probably should have collaborated with you guys a little bit more, but my rankings were a little bit more based on just going into this year versus the future. So yeah, that's, why, that's why I would give... Too. Sorry. That's why, no, you're fine. But that's why I would... I don't like Jameis, or I'm sorry, I don't like Bridgewater more than Jameis, but for this season, for the sole fact that Teddy Bridgewater will be the starter and Jameis won't be, that's why I like Teddy more than Jameis. The, uh, the only other thing I'll say to my team real quick is just... Um, the defense, you know, definitely is on the weaker side. But last year, I was able to pick up several quality players uh, that could plug and play on free agency. You know, Tre'Davious White finished as the number sixteen DB, and he was on waivers. Uh, Dre Greenlaw came in and filled in great on the Forty ers with Alexander out, and he was on waivers. So I'm definitely just kind of banking on finding you know one or two uh, plug and play guys like that this year, and then I'll feel a lot more confident on that side of the ball. But um, once again, thank you, Joey, for. Uh, liking my team more than me.
Well, you liked mine more than myself, so that's okay. And so now, going into the final and top spot, we have the wildfire. Congratulations, Cole. You now have the caster curse. But anyway, speaking on this team, we're going to have Nick arguing for and Aaron, the number one contender, arguing against. All right, the quarterback position, of course, Lamar Jackson, easily in the realm of a top two finish at quarterback position, possibly one, depending on Mayhome's health. Uh, running back, Mixon, uh, it's getting a little questionable. Whatever he's doing in training camp, now missing practice. But if he does play, it's going to create a great triple threat with him, Aaron Jones, and Fournette this year. Uh, beyond that, depth could use a little work. Duke Johnson is talented enough to put some points up in the event someone misses a game. At wide receiver, it's another solid three with Hill, OBJ, Keenan Allen with uh, Marquise Brown holding the fort down after that. Tight end could use a little work. Goddard could put up a good year this year as well as Hurst. They're both in good systems for what they're doing, but they're not the highest of ceilings. <laughs> Across the defensive side, D-line, not one of my highest rated but definitely getting there with a lot of talented youth. And then linebacker and defensive back are both my top-rated squads at the position. So I'm looking forward to seeing what they'll do. Uh, this is going to be a stacked team all across the board. And again, adding to a very talented Western division. I'm, gonna, I'm very excited to see how that's going to play out. All right. So coming in against Cole, um, I guess I should preface this by saying that I did have him at two. So it's not like I'm, you know, hating on the team. I, I think it's the number two team in the league. But, I mean, I've talked about this with Cole before. Uh, me and Cole just have differing opinions on lots of players. Um, Leonard Fournette is a guy that I hate personally. Um, as the uh, the RB hater, he is everything that I stand against. I mean, he'll be fine for fantasy, but I just don't think he's going to have nearly as good a year as he did last year. Um Aaron Jones, I mean, I know it's kind of cliche, but he scored the most touchdowns last year, or he might have been second behind McCaffrey. But that's likely to regress, especially now they brought in A.J. Dillon with a uh, you know, premium draft pick. Um, Joe Mixon is a guy who I think's been you know, hyped up for three years, but hasn't ever lived up to it, yet he's also like maintained that value each year. So, I mean, again, I think they'll all be good, but I just don't think I like that group as much as, you know, my own running back group personally. Um, receiver's really good. I'm not going to, you know, talk about that much at all. Uh, tight end's kind of weak, in my opinion. I think that Cole needs Hayden Hurst to kind of step up um, as a weekly starter, as while I think Goddard will probably finish as, you know, tight end 9 to 12 overall. I don't think he's going to offer the week-to-week consistency that Cole is going to need as a title contender. And so that's where Hayden Hurst is going to have to step up, in my opinion. And uh, really the big difference between mine and Cole's teams in my rankings comes down to, um, I guess, just depth on the uh, the defense overall. Just, I mean, he just traded away Akeem Hicks. And so as a result, he ended up uh, with a, a zero out of two. Big difference. But um, 
there's just not a lot of that. He only has five defensive linemen, and I graded three for the starters. So when you only have two, it's kind of hard to score much. Um, linebacker is fine, and then secondary is a little shaky right now um, after the starting lineup since Tony Jefferson and Eric Reed are both free agents. But but yeah, I mean, I'm not a hater on this team at all. I think it's the number two team in the league, but it just has a couple things and that might just be you know my own personal bias as a fantasy player but i just think it's right up there as one of the top teams in the league so piggybacking off of kind of what aaron said i had the wildfire a little bit lower than everybody else um keep in mind that this power rankings if you're feeling down about your team isn't going to happen already because we've had four teams in the west make the playoffs according to us so don't di- don't get discouraged, you bottom halfers. Hey, just saying the East proved four can make the playoffs last year. That is true. That is true. But anyway, so I regress. But I think the wildfire, it's hard to find anything awful about them. Um, you know, we've already kind of harped on it. Tight end is probably the biggest gap. And then defensive line um, is probably next, although Aaron Donald is on the team and he's the best at what he does uh, Brian Burns I could see you know Montez Sweat so some young talent um, but secondary I also had rated the highest um, I hope Eric Reed finds a team um, so for the sake of Cole and you know he's getting Derwin James back who got hurt last year and I still have nightmares that Derwin James isn't on the Bucks and Vita Vea is so I hope that he turns up for Cole so all in all, I think that this team could make the championship, um, but it's going to be a stacked division and anything can happen. So congrats, Cole, on getting the number one vote. So uh, with my team, the only thing that I can really think about that I would want to change would be what you guys were talking about, and that's tight end. Um, I'm perfectly content with most of the positions. I mean... Going into this season and the offseason, my team was alongside, I think, Aaron. We had the worst defensive lines out of anyone in the whole league. And so I was just trying to get a bit of uh, infusion of young talent to come in and see if I can get some guys that could uh, pop here in the near future. And then uh, linebacker and DB, I'm pretty excited about. I mean, I traded away that too for Derwin James. I wanted to pair with somebody somebody with Landon Collins that was going to put up pretty solid production each week. but the high end from this team is going to come from Lamar Jackson, Tyreek Hill, and Odell Beckham if he can pop. So those are the three guys that I'm most excited about. I'm just hoping for an OBJ resurgence. And that that really was the only reason my team didn't make the playoffs last year was because of Joe Mixon. Absolutely crap in the bed at the beginning of last year. And Odell Beckham having a down year because I think, what did he have? He had an abdominal issue for the whole season that brought him down. But it was uh, it was an underwhelming season last year. But just trying to get as many ceiling guys as I can find, and like Aaron was saying, just different fantasy philosophies. I usually go for ceiling above all else. And so, if anybody wants to trade me a high end tight end, I am listening. I.e., George Kittle, Ryan. If you ever change your mind <laughs> over his dead body. If you ever change your mind, brother, I'll send you DoorDash or something along with the trade. 
collusion. Collusion. I agree. (laughs) Can't do that with the commissioner here. Red alert. Just to wrap up the thoughts on Cole's roster here, again, it is the number two team from my perspective, and so it's very hard to hate. But the biggest reason why I have them number two personally is looking specifically at Leonard Fournette and Aaron Jones. As Aaron kind of alluded to, these are descending assets, and Leonard Fournette being the more rapid of the two, the Jaguars have been trying to move Leonard Fournette and not, a team won't even take him for a seventh round pick. And so if that is the value for him throughout the league, I'm not very confident that the Jaguars are going to give Fournette the amount of volume that they were gave him last year. And especially since the sentiment from a lot of analysts and even fan bases is that the Jaguars are planning on tanking uh, to get Trevor Lawrence at the top. There's no reason why they wouldn't play someone like uh, Armstead at running back to see what they have there in the position. So I think Leonard Fournette is in a very scary spot right now. And if Joe Mixon does create some controversy because of his contract, I think this team could be off for a very scary start to the season. And so that is what has me a little worried along with the longevity specifically at the running back position. On the same vein, though, with Fournette, wouldn't you or couldn't you argue that Fournette, because he is a depreciating asset, quote unquote, with the Jaguars, wouldn't they just run him into the ground and then let him go? Well, why would they do that if they're trying to rebuild and assess what they have and not develop their younger talent at the position? Like, why would why would they ride an older player? Why not? I mean, do we really think there is the running back of the future on that team right now? Because Chris Thompson certainly is not the running back of the future. Hey, Jay Green likes to throw to Chris Thompson. I'm just going to put that out there. Hey, if we're going to talk about Chris Thompson, can we talk about how he's going to take away Fournette's uh, receiving ceiling that he had last year? I don't believe it. I've seen a lot of debate about this, but I mean, we people like to say that Chris Thompson is perpetually injured, but he has played 10 games, I think, like each of the last four or five seasons. But he's getting up there, and it just I don't believe it. I'm kind of in Cole's corner. I don't really see a scenario where the Jaguars don't play for net if they have him. I mean, certainly early on, I think they'll probably give him the vast majority of the work. But if they really do, you know, start out like one in six, one in seven, I mean... I could see a scenario where even if it's not Reichwell Armstead, I mean, running backs are a dime a dozen in free agency. I could see them picking someone off a practice squad or someone who gets cut in the end of the preseason. Well, you know, there's no preseason, but gets cut right before the uh, season starts. I could foresee that for sure. Devontae Freeman. (laughs) Do we really actually, though, this isn't just because I own him, but do we really think that Aaron Jones is a descending asset at age 25 and he's shown a crazy ceiling and his player comp, for example, on player profiler is Christian McCaffrey and he's shown a ridiculous high end? Do we think that he is a descending asset? I mean, from fantasy, he's fine. But I mean, the the team did use a second rounder, if I think, on A.J. Dillon. And so most of the time... I mean, from a fantasy perspective, I think that he's you know a really good running back. But from an NFL perspective, um, it seems like the the common trend uh, nowadays is if you're going to get that you know big second contract, it's going to be with the team that drafted you. And given that the team drafted AJ Dillon this year, uh, I have my reservations. And because of that, and the the loaded free agency uh, class that exists next year, I, I his situation is just kind of up in the air. Like I'm not saying he's ruined, but it's definitely a question mark. Yeah, I think he showed last year that his nose for the end zone and his talent on the goal line is 
nearly unmatched. Um, he showed very efficient numbers, and I think skill-wise, he's not going to regress. But in terms of fantasy, fantasy production, you have to account for the red zone carries that A.J. Dillon is going to get. And so while I think that Jones as a player is not regressing, I believe his fantasy ceiling is regressing. And since you got his ceiling last year in terms of production, I think it's going to be a little sad when he doesn't get it again. Anybody got anything else you want to mention before we wrap up? Uh, yeah, I really do because last year Aaron made it a priority to kind of push an agenda that Jabir and I were rivals. And I just want to take this moment to uh, make it very clear, Jabir, I was the only one here that did not have you ranked at the bottom. You were my number 11 team, which means I ranked you the highest. So there is no rivalry there. It is all good blood. And I'll say one more thing before we wrap this up here. If you want to trade your high-end tight end one, I'm listening. All right, fellas. Thank you for listening to this extended podcast. This probably will end up being the longest podcast we have done. So I hope you guys are ready and anxious to take a look at this thing. So from all of us, we are excited to get football going here. It's two weeks away. So good luck to you all, and we will see you out there on the field. Adios, y'all. Good luck, everybody. Goodbye. See you guys in two weeks. Cole, cue music. Ryan, if you're listening to this, now's the time to trade George Kittle.